We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to Stender, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts, please visit jcastnetwork.org. To share your thoughts about this podcast or others, please visit facebook.com slash jcastnetwork. So our Torah reading this morning is uh, Parshat Chaye Sarah. It could be found in one of two places in your seat pockets. Uh, you might have a large red volume that looks like this. That's called the Eitz Chaim Chumash, the Eitz Chaim Bible. We're on page 137 in there. Or a large blue volume. Uh, that's called the Hertz Chumash, the Hertz Bible. We're on page 86 in the Hertz. Genesis chapter 24, verse 53 is where we begin. And this Torah portion is called Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah. But somewhat ironically, it opens with the death of Sarah the matriarch, Sarah. And so it uh, opens on something of a sad and somber note with Abraham and Isaac grieving the loss of Sarah. And it, of course, for many of us, is an eerie parallel to our lives and our world at this moment in which we are still somewhat heavy with grief over the events of this past week. So it's like one of my teachers says, Mamish, it's always about the Parsha. Somehow the Parsha is always the right Parsha to talk about what's going on in our lives and in our world. And indeed, I think that's the case this week. So we open with the death of Sarah. And the Torah portion continues after Sarah is buried and, and mourned for. Abraham charges his servant, Eliezer, with finding a wife for his son, Isaac, Yitzchak. Abraham's concern here is, of course, that after the death of Sarah, there's no one around to help him fulfill God's charge of being the founder of a great nation because Sarah had an indispensable role in creating and perpetuating the Jewish people. And so he knows that that charge needs to be carried on through Isaac, and Isaac needs a partner to do it. So he sends Eliezer, and Eliezer has only really one rule from Abraham, which is that he has to find a wife for Isaac from Abraham's people in Haran. But Eliezer devises a test of his own. He makes a deal with God and says, God, here's how I want to know if this is the right person for Isaac. If she has the quality of chesed, kindness, love, then I know that she's the right partner for Isaac. And so the test is that if he stops by the well, a person who not only provides him with water, but also his camels with water, has this quality of chesed, of kindness, 
that is the necessary ingredient, the necessary component of the perfect partner for Isaac. And as fate would have it, a young woman named Rebecca, who is from Abraham's kin, provides water to Eliezer and to his camels. And Eliezer realizes at that moment that this must be the woman, this is a sign from God that this is the woman that is destined to be Isaac's partner. It's telling that the quality that Eliezer is looking for, the quality that he believes is the one necessary for the perpetuation of the Jewish people, the quality necessary to found and continue the line of the Jewish people, the quality necessary to guide and inspire the descendants of Abraham and Isaac for generations onward is the quality of chesed, the quality of love, a quality that leads Rebecca to provide at great cost, both physically and financially, water for a complete stranger and his camels at an oasis in the desert. That is unique. That is chesed. That is a kind of chesed, a kind of love that is not dependent on the actions, on reciprocal actions of somebody else. It's not contingent on anything. It doesn't demand anything of anybody else. And it has no prerequisites, no prerequisites, no preconditions on it. It is love with no strings attached. Love just because. Earlier this week, I think it was Monday, uh, we were doing our morning routine in our home, and my youngest, Akiva, who's just one year old, is in a real ABBA mood uh, right now for one reason or another, and he is like attached to me at the hip, uh, he's up in the morning and he just follows me around everywhere. He's like grabbing onto my pants, pulling my pants down, like wanting me to pick him up. Won't let me put him down. He is. Just, he comes up to me and just like throws himself on me for a hug. It's amazing. Those of you who are parents have experienced this before. You know how amazing that feels. Those of you who uh, are have not been parents yet, God willing, one day maybe you'll you'll uh, you'll experience something similar. It's amazing. But I said to Adira, I said, you know, I don't know what I did to get him to do this for me. And she looked at me at that look that she usually gives me, that I'm being an idiot. <laughs> and she said, Mike, you didn't do anything. He loves you just because. He embraces you like that, holds you like that, follows you like that, just because. And it dawned on me, of course, at that moment that my feelings for him are exactly the same. He didn't do anything to make me love him the way I love him. I love him just because. And then it struck me that this is also true of God and us. That we come from a tradition that says God loves us just because. Ahavat olam beit Yisrael amcha ahavta. God loves God's people with an unending, infinite love. 
You have loved us with a great, unending love. We didn't do anything to deserve it. We just are. And God loves us just because. But here's the other thing. That if we believe in the values that are expressed in the Torah, that we all descend from the first two human beings, that we are all of us siblings, we are all of us cousins, we are all of us related, we are all of us family. Every one of us in this room, every one of us who is standing outside our doors this morning, encircling us, protecting us, the people in the heartland, the people across the country, the people traveling through Mexico, the people in the Middle East, the people in Europe, we are all of us cousins, we are all of us siblings, we are all of us related, and so we serve a God who loves us just because, and that God calls upon us, family with one another, to love each other just because. We read in our Torah portion this week that the response to grief, the response to tragedy, the charge of the people picking up the pieces from loss is to embrace love just because, to embody it, to sow it, to reap it, to bring it out into the world. Now, some of you might feel what I'm saying today is familiar, first because I've said it before, and I even said something similar last night. Well, in the words of Martin Luther King, I'm going to keep talking about love. In the words of Bishop Michael Curry, who became famous for speaking at the royal wedding earlier this year, love is the way. Love is the way. It is the charge of our tradition. It is the very foundation of who we are called to be as Jews. We live in a moment in which the wells of our world are being poisoned with hate. They're being poisoned with vitriol. And the message of our Torah portion is to take water from a different well and to give it to all who are in need, not because they've done something to deserve it, but precisely because they haven't done anything to deserve it, precisely because they have no demands on us, but because we are human and because we are all one family, because they belong to us and we belong to them. This has been a hard week. This has been a sad week. And the sad week is somehow exacerbated by more hate, more vitriol, more poison in the well. But we have an opportunity. We have a responsibility. We have a charge. We have a purpose. We as Jews know that love is the way. Let us keep talking about it.
Let us keep doing it. Let us keep bringing it into the world because, as the psalmist says, and as Rabbi Menachem's editor sings, Olam Chesed Ibanet. We can build and rebuild this world.